Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fetzke, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Julie Kamenik, COO at LifeSource. Julie, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, Sean. Thanks for the invitation to join you today. Great. Well, thanks for agreeing to participate. Um, let, let's, you know, start off at the, at the most, you know, the first, the first part, and that is what is, what is LifeSource? Yeah, LifeSource is a nonprofit healthcare company, and we're based out of Minneapolis, but we have offices in North Dakota and South Dakota also. We manage the organ, eye, and tissue donation process in the upper Midwest. We specialize in the surgical recovery and the packaging and transportation of donated organs, eyes, and tissues. And we also have team members who are maybe former social workers or chaplains, and they work with families and walk through them, walk with them through the donation process. We also have community outreach that encourages individuals to sign up you know, on their DMV or online or other places because no donation happens without generous people saying yes to giving these precious gifts. That's who we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Great. And uh, so as someone who is you know, more of an end user, I mean, typically MPO is focused on the development and uh, manufacture of medical devices, but certainly... Uh, as an end user, you know, it's great to get your perspective as well. Um, can you speak to uh, the transition that you've seen of uh, medical devices and technologies uh, around this area of, of healthcare? Yeah, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and so, so many things have changed. Everything from how we communicate to how we package and preserve organs has changed so much. The life source mm-hmm. is a conduit between the organ donor and the recipient transplant team. And in the past, everything was verbal communication over the telephone. We would report any results that we were receiving from a hospital to the transplant team. And medical systems have changed so much, and the devices have changed that give us better information about the organs that we're assessing for transplant and better technology on how we can transmit that. So, for instance, your, uh, your listeners probably know how much the cardiac catheterization process has changed and how medical devices have made that such less invasive and much more in-depth information. So when we do a cardiac cath on a heart that we're evaluating for transplant, we can now electronically transmit all of that information to the transplant surgeon who could be anywhere in the country. So that's been one tremendous advance for us. And another one and probably a huge one for us is medical devices around organ preservation. They were virtually non-existent other than for kidneys. They're what you might still see in a movie of placing an organ on ice and putting it in coolers. Um, and now there are devices that allow for the preservation of organs such as heart, lungs, and livers to be done normal thermic or at body temperature instead of at on ice. So they, rather than ice, have blood and fluids that um, flow through them and allow the transplant teams to monitor the organs before transplant and even further optimize them to have uh, better outcomes in the recipients. So that's been huge. There have been kidney preservation devices uh, that existed many years ago, but those have also drastically improved. 
um, I've been, again, been doing this a long time, and I used to literally sleep with the kidney that was sitting next to me in this very large, very loud device, and I was right next to it 24 hours a day, listening for any changes and waking up on a regular basis to check on it. And now they are compact, they're more transportable, they have electronic monitoring, we can monitor them remotely from anywhere, you can be home, you can, you know, have multiple people checking on them. So those are some cool things that medical devices have really helped uh, transform donation and transplantation. Fantastic. I mean, it's always great to hear the, the results of, of the development and manufacturing process, you know, at the end user and, and what changes have occurred and what certainly what benefits have, have, uh, have occurred. But, um, you know, an, un, what would seem unrelated to medical device, but certainly uh, getting more attention for different areas, I, I understand, you know, in diagnostics and uh, even for COVID uh, uh, vaccine and, and medication delivery, and that's the use of drones. Um, and I understand you may be using uh, drones to, uh, with, you know, within the organ transplant realm. How, you know, can you speak to that a little bit? It's a pretty exciting area. The use of drones or unmanned aircraft is very new to this area and very exciting. We had the opportunity to participate in a, pro- a pilot project where we transported a research pancreas for the first time. We biopsied it before and after to demonstrate that it had no um, change to the function of the organ. And the idea of what that could do for us as an industry is so fascinating. You know, time is of the essence and time is of the enemy when it comes to donation and transplantation. And so anytime right. we can reduce barriers that improve transportation of whether it's the organ or the specimens such as blood samples that are used to test for um, the outcomes in the transplant, that'll be huge. As I mentioned, we cover a large geography, and so if we have to rely on commercial transportation or ground transportation, which we do, and we're in Bismarck, North Dakota, and need to get a sample to Minneapolis, how cool would it be that we could skip all of the couriers and checkpoints along the way and just have a point-to-point delivery system uh, expedite the time and increase the safety, making sure there's no um, potential delays during a transport. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. As someone who lives in, you know, New Jersey, which is, uh, you know, knows a little bit about traffic, I can certainly see the the advantages of of just flying over all of it instead of, uh, you know, having it in a in a transport device and and trying to, you know, wrestle with traffic. Um, you know, another another newsworthy uh, item that I just recently saw was uh, I, I believe they were attempting to uh, illustrate the uh, the uh, the viability of bioprinting organs. They did it up in in the space station, or they did it at a zero zero G environment um, to to kind of illustrate uh, the the viability of it. But obviously, there's still uh, a little ways to go. But are you seeing anything in that area in terms of bioprinting organs? Is that something that uh, you're excited about or watching, or is it still a little further out than than you'd like? Yeah, it's very exciting, and it probably is a little further out than I would like, but it is exciting work, and it's often a topic at, you know, many of our medical symposiums of what's happening in this area. And there's been a lot of success of creating a matrix for organs that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bioprinted matrix that then can have cells implanted into them, so hepatocytes or renal cells that 
and then they allow it to divide and multiply to create an organ. But one of the challenges remains is that organs aren't single cellular organs. They have many different types of cells within them. And so building a complex multi-cell system has not yet been successful. So for instance, example, you know, in a liver, having both the blood vessels and the bile ducts and the liver cells, that's not quite made it yet, but it's promising. And I admire those researchers who continue to work on this and have that faith in the future that they'll get there. And I think they will. I think they will. Absolutely. Um, and, and uh, you know, another area you mentioned monitoring and, you know, uh, uh, having the, the organ be delivered. Um, how great would it be if, if we could keep, uh, keep an eye on it and, and surgeons would know exactly uh, where an organ is and how far out it is? So, you know, with that said, I understand you are looking at tracking technologies and, and reviewing capabilities there. Can you speak to uh, those types of, uh, of uh, technologies that are allowing the tracking of organs? Yeah, that continues to evolve thanks to those brilliant minds who continue to work in this area. So, you know, each organ is a very precious gift, and LifeSource is responsible for ensuring its safe delivery to a transplant center. And so when it has to be transported in a particular longer distance, we, we monitor those organs similar to how you might monitor other packages that you might be receiving. You know when it's left and the estimated time and various components, but what we don't necessarily have all the time is the details of exactly where it is. So we're looking to be adding this summer GPS tracking devices directly into the package with the organ mm -hmm. that will allow for real-time awareness. And through an API, it's integrated with other resources that we use, uh, in particular one called Flight Aware, that anyone might be aware of that you can go and track flights. So with the integration of those two and the technology, it will allow us to have updates on a regular basis with the users. We can input who's who needs to get an update, and if there's a flight change that the flight was, you know, sped up or delayed, we can get that information. You know, I... Imagine that you've experienced a flight sometime where you had someone that was going to pick you up at the airport at a designated time, and now your flight had a huge tailwind and you arrived 20 minutes early. You just wait, right? Um, but if it's an organ, those 20 minutes are precious, and having someone ready to pick it up immediately upon arrival is vital, and this technology will allow us to get those updates to know that it's ahead of schedule and we need to have somebody there. So it's not without its logistical challenges yet. You know, the, the device right now is placed in the box, and then the transplant center that receives it removes it from the box and sends it back to us. So if any of your listeners can come up with a technology that allows for a GPS device to be disposable and inexpensive, they should give me a call. I'd be very interested. It sounds good. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would make sense that if we can track our, track our Uber driver who we've ordered, um, you know, granted, I know it's through their cell phone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if we could track our Uber driver, I certainly want to know where my heart is that's being donated to me, you know, or, or kidney or liver or whatever it is. Um, you know, I certainly would want to know where that is. Um, and it seems like we should be able to do it, but like you said, there are there are issues involved, and and hopefully somebody can uh, uh, address that problem. Um, what about what about uh, speaking of monitoring? Um, what about on the the other side? You know, post surgical. Um, you know, are there technologies that are uh, 
that are being used to monitor a transplant or monitor the organ uh, following transplant after the after the surgery? Um, and if not, you know, are, 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 is that in development? What's what's the status with that type of technology? Sure. Organ transplantation is a treatment. It's not a cure, right? So it's one way to treat and save a life as a treatment. But the organ remains susceptible to the body rejecting it indefinitely. And so Mm -hmm. monitoring for rejection is so important. And finding any early signs of it allows this transplant team to treat it and prevent any further uh, rejection and organ loss. So it's a very important part of the transplant recipient follow-up and workup as they continue to, you know, have this precious gift. So many patients in this process undergo multiple routine biopsies as a way to monitor for rejection, which, you know, they have to go back into the hospital, it's an invasive test, all those things. So any technology that can be developed that's less invasive and can provide that early detection, of course, would be very welcome. And another, if they can find a method to prevent rejection in the first place without lifelong immunosuppressants, of course, that would be very amazing. And so many people continue to work on that of how can we get our body to accept a transplanted organ without lifelong immunosuppressants. So those are some things that really could make a difference to those who receive an organ and preserve that gift for a long, long time. Fantastic. Well, this has been a this has been a great overview of you know, the technologies that are, that, you know, are in development or, you know, being explored or being looked at for organ donation and transplant. But, um, you know, and you already, you already made a request for, for one type of uh, technology for medical device manufacturers. But if you were able to, you know, speak directly to medical device manufacturers, what types of uh, technologies or devices would you like to see um, you know, you mentioned the tracking, the tracking system. Uh, what other types of technologies would, would organ donation benefit from? You know, uh, there's a few that I have that I could think about. The APIs, and I'm a little, I'm dangerously close to going outside of my expertise in this area. However, any integration of the multiple technology platforms that we use would be tremendously helpful. So again, as I mentioned, we are a conduit from the donor to the transplant center. So there's multiple layers, if you will, that go into that. For instance, we have our own electronic medical record, and then we access the hospital's electronic medical record. We take information out of there, put it into ours, and then upload it into another system. And then each transplant center is doing the same thing on their end to create this Mm -hmm. database. So it's very, very manual and Uh, redundant. And anytime you're doing some of that, of course, you increase the errors. And this is life and death. And so any way we can reduce errors is we save lives. So that would be one way. It's You probably would be surprised to know that we still receive a lot of information by fax. Uh, Wow. You know, who even has a fax machine anymore? But we do (laughs) because that's the way we receive a lot of information. And then, you know, we upload those documents. But we don't have a way to really interface with them to have the data elements directly into our system and the transplant center system at the same time. So that's one area that uh, I know is probably a holy grail in electronic medical records when we can have them combined, but certainly would be huge in transplantation and donation. 
Right. Um, another, yeah, another one might be a continued portable bedside testing devices. You know, they have come a very long way, and they are still expensive, and they're still a little bit cumbersome. So we often work in hospitals that are smaller and don't have access to all of the testing we might want to do. So we bring various things with us. So, again, continued work on those and the ways to integrate those, the results that come out of there with the platforms that we use would be tremendous. Those are so helpful to get those immediate test results. And, again, in particular with some of our smaller rural hospitals that don't have the ability to do that or they only have the ability to do it during the day. Those are tremendous things that as those continue to develop, we continue to look at and use. And then, of course, continued improvement in organ preservation. You know, it has come a long way, but finding more compact and less expensive ways to preserve organs, you know, both short-term and long-term, will save lives. Uh, so those are some things that, in particular, will make a difference in donation and transplantation. And I welcome all your brilliant listeners to help us with those problems. <laughs> well, hopefully there is someone out there that's either working on it now or is intrigued enough to, to, to do it. Or, you know, I mean, the medical device industry is, certainly sees a need and, and will typically uh, attempt to address that need. Um, but unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of MedTech Matters. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest for all of her insights and, and uh, discussing organ donation and, and transplant and all the technologies that she's uh, interacting with and, and knows about. Um, and as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for, for tuning in. So if you are a, uh, if you are a, you know, a medical device manufacturer working on anything mentioned, uh, please feel free to reach out to me or to, to Julie at LifeSource directly uh, and, and let us know about it. Uh, but until next time, this has been Sean Fensky, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, saying thanks for listening.